today on Thursday Finance. We'll take a look at bond markets and interest rates and see where we're heading with those at the moment as the new year is getting underway. We'll also have our market update with Henry Jennings, a senior market commentator at Marcus Today, and take a look at the market in general. To NURFM, welcome Stephen Pritchard, uh, Thursday Finance and uh, Currencies, Commodities. How are we all travelling this week? Oh, a bit all over the shop this week. It's been lots of ups and downs. And There's all plenty over. of interesting news happening around the world. I'm sure oh, that's having an effect, oh, isn't, isn't it? Isn't that a Chinese curse? May you live in interesting times. Oh, dear, I'm afraid it is. <laughs> Probably a not good thing to dredge up. But anyhow, uh, the gold price was down $20 an ounce to $2,309. And the US dollar, we were, we were, the Australian dollar was down against the US dollar to 67.46 uh, cents. Is that after the result of the impeachment inquiry? Uh, that's not, no, no, because that's only being voted on today. Yeah, I it? think they've cleared him. He's yeah, been that, yes, well, this would be last night's prices. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. all right. So, uh, well, that was no surprise in that. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> but um, it was just very quick. <laughs> um, and the great, we were up. Uh, we were up against the Great British Pound to fifty-one point nine uh, pence, and against the euro, we were down marginally sixty-one point three three euro cents. So mm. basically, all the same. Not much change. Um, the the equity markets around well now. This is this this is interesting. Yeah. Uh, the equity markets around the world. The oil ordinary was down twenty-seven point seven on the week to seven thousand and eighty. Still uh, over the seven thousand. Seven over the yeah. We're getting closer. Um, uh, the S&P 500 was up 51 points to $3,334.69. And despite um, all the uh, forecasts that the world was going to come to an end when breaks finally happened, yep, yep. it happened on what? Monday morning or something our oh, time? It was, was the end of last month, wasn't it? No. End of last week? <laughs> Brexit yeah, we'll happened. Yeah, we to that. Anyway, yeah. the, the equity market has actually gone up. Uh, so it's go. up 1.4 on the week to 7,482. So the world hasn't ended. The market's actually saying it's a good thing for the UK. Uh-huh. And that's what it will be a good thing for Australia, I'm sure. And uh, local stocks, uh, BHP uh, was down a big on the week to $38.89, which is down 11 cents. Uh, CB was $83.28, down $2.16. Uh, NIB was no change, $5.39. And uh, Telstra, which is your favourite stock, was down $0.06 cents to $3.80. NIB's had a bit of a rough time lately with um, you know, yeah, well, down they've been to stories from APRA and all sorts of things. Yeah, they've been to stories from APRA. They've been to stories from stories from APRA and all sorts of things. Doom and gloom about health funds, which I don't believe any of it. Um, and Newcastle fuel prices, um, dollar fifty three point nine, which is you know basically down cent last week. Sydney dollar thirty three point one, which is down fourteen cents. Uh, diesel dollar fifty one, and uh, Sydney diesel dollar forty six. Thursday finance time. We had a look at our weekly market update. Stephen Pritchard with Henry Jennings. Henry Jennings. Stephen Pritchard. How are you? I'm good, Henry. And. That's good. Uh, it's uh, raining. That's, well, it's, is it raining is it? up your way? Uh, mm. Kind of. Marginally. Marginally oh. raining. Pretending. I was actually up your way at the weekend. I was up in Newcastle. Oh, you would have been hot at the weekend. It was very hot at the Queen Street Wharf, I have to say. Very hot. That's one way to cool down, Henry. Yes. Yeah, no, we, um, we were up there. It was a lot of fun, actually. Did you jump in the water like all the other people were? I didn't. No, I didn't have the, um, I didn't have the necessary boardies on, but... Um, it was uh, good to see there were an awful lot of people doing that, that's for sure. Yes, yes. It was stinking hot. 
It was a, uh, yeah, it was cooler in there though, than the outer sub- in the suburbs. Huh? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they breed them tough in Newcastle because the water polo they had on in that little spot, they put a net underneath them so the sharks don't get them. Oh, I didn't know they had water polo in there. Yeah, they did. They had grandstands erected as well. It was um, we were talking to one of the members of the Hurricanes Newcastle water polo team. Oh, hmm. and they weren't bitten by a shark. Well, they have the nets. No, yes. they weren't. It was good. Did you know that, Jane? Oh, I, I do now. Yes. Full <laughs> <laughs> of useless take... information, I am. Yeah. Yes. And, of course, yeah, uh, we do. The, the world didn't end in the UK when Brex came. Well... Well, it was never going to, to be honest, because this is just setting the clock to mm-hmm. run for another year. So um, the UK hasn't actually left, well, it has left the EU, but it now has a, a transition period where it gets to um, gets to try and negotiate trade deals and how the status quo is going to be. So the world didn't end because the world didn't change effectively. It will only end or change uh, in a year's time at the end of uh, December 2020, when if they do not have any of these trade deals in place, then they will effectively go hard Brexit again. So um, the issue hasn't really gone away, and trade deals take a fair while to negotiate, as uh, most people will uh, attest to, that they're hoping they can go to some sort of Canadian solution, or even or even the trade deal that the Australians have with the UK, uh, with the EU. Unfortunately, um, if you want to be pedantic about it, Australia hasn't got a trade deal with the EU, and it's still arguing about it, so I'm not quite sure what Boris is on about at the moment. Anyhow, I'm sure he'll sort that out. Oh, I'm sure he will. He'll crash through or, or burn. That, um, that's uh, his mentality. <laughs> And more pressing is this virus that's um, infiltrating out of China into Australia. Yeah. Um, how's that going to affect the market, do you reckon, or is there anything people should be buying or selling as a result of this? Well, obviously, uh, well, the US markets are kicking to record highs, so they, they clearly don't think that uh, there's going to be any effect. And, of course, the US is so US-centric, unless the issue actually starts to directly impact on them with cases and deaths. Um, then they probably won't react. Down under here, um, we have a bigger problem because our economy is quite reliant on the Chinese uh, tourists and the the education system and uh, exports to China and the whole supply chain. It's it's a tough uh, it's tough for our economy. And of course, everyone's basing their um, experience, I guess, on the SARS virus back from 2003, um, which was kind of short, sharp, and the markets fell and then they recovered. Now we've decided that we're, we won't even do the falling bit. We're just going to recover um, because that's that's where we end up anyway. So we're just going to short circuit the whole thing and just recover. There, there is a danger in that because back in 2003, the Chinese economy wasn't anywhere near as big as it is now, and it wasn't quite so service orientated. So now China at the moment is in a pretty much of a lockdown. Um, you know, there's factories closed, there's industries closed, there's people being confined to barracks, confined to their homes. Um, it's it's a it's an issue. And of course, next week um, they're hoping to reopen things because of a two-week sort of incubation period. But if they can't, this is going to start to have an effect. So I think our market hasn't been pushing to the record highs that the U.S. has because I think we're closer to the action, more reliant on China. And I think to a certain extent, this this whole um, sort of uh, stumbling of the Chinese economy plays very well sometimes with um, a more aggressive U.S. administration towards China. Yeah, so wait and see what happens there. It's, yeah, I mean, the ANZ are talking about knocking half a percent off the GDP. Um, certainly, when you consider the effects of the bushfire, the drought, 
of the other problems that we've got in Australia, um, I think Josh Frydenberg can kiss his surplus goodbye. Not that anyone really cared about that anyway. It's just a political slogan yes. um, more than anything else. Um, but I think that's, this is going to be the excuse they have um, for kissing that goodbye. Or So we'll wait and see. Your easy listening alternative to a new RFM. Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard in the midst of our market update with Henry Jennings. Henry, uh, Temple, and, Temple and Webster sales were up by 50% in January. Yeah. Does that actually mean anything? It's only one month. No, it doesn't really. Uh, <laughs> they put out a big headline on it. Well, why wouldn't you? You've got to, you've got to, you know, you've got to push your own barrow. No one else yes. is going to push it for you. Yes. Um, but certainly you would imagine at the moment we are going through um, another housing boom if you like, at least price-wise. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. listings-wise, but that will follow. But we are seeing certainly a massive pickup in the the housing market to to maybe record levels again. Temple and Webster, these guys have an online sort of furniture retailing business, um, which clearly does... um, Millennials probably like that. I'd I'd prefer if you're going to buy a bed or a sofa to go and have a look at it, go and sit on it, but maybe you go and have a look at it and then you buy it online. I don't know. Um, But certainly this this has been a, a, a... an interesting story because it was down and out and just an absolute dog for a long time and it has um, really performed very well. Same with, actually we saw today, Nick Scarley's mm-hmm. uh, results today as well. Um, they have done also uh, very well too. So um, clearly sofas and, and, and household furnishings um, is, is going well. You would expect the same to come through in Harvey um, Norman. Yeah, mm. hardly normal. So um, you would expect that to be the, the case when they report their figures as well. So you know, clearly we are seeing this wealth effect from uh, people buying and selling houses, not really translating at the moment to car sales, which I think last year dropped around 12 and a bit mm. percent. So um, it, it's not trickling down to other things, but certainly nesting, uh, I guess, is, um, is high on the um, agenda at the moment. I mean, I would have thought also these furniture retailers, you know, there's going to be a flow-on effect once people start rebuilding their these houses that were damaged in the bushfires. And but, You uh, would think so, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, you would think that. I mean, certainly, um, I was looking at um, Elder's share price today because it's in our small-cap portfolio, and they have been going absolute gangbusters. Yeah. Um, you know, $8.40-odd today, they were... They were um, $6 back in the beginning of January. Mm. So that, that's a huge run. Just as we were uh, facing the bushfires, you can see that that bush stimulus effect, the people uh, replacing stuff and, and mm. the fact that we've got rain and uh, et cetera, um, has had a, a massive effect on elders, I've got to say. It's been, yeah. it's been extraordinary. And uh, shopping centres of Australia have... Uh it's interesting that they were going to cut the rents and increase incentives to fill uh, difficult long-term vacancies. I know, I know they're actually doing that up at um, one of the centres here. They had. and um, but in, in any event, their distribution still went up. Um, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, these guys obviously have uh, a decent portfolio. Um, the um, I mean, I guess you know, there's another sort of effect from the property market. Uh, we are seeing housing increase in value. We're seeing interest rates um, under pressure coming down. That's good for these highly leveraged uh, real estate investment trusts and companies like uh, SCP and all the other ones that are listed on the exchange, uh, which borrow money, uh, buy big buildings and um, 
and then pay distributions based on the rentals. So, uh, and the valuation, of course, of those buildings, which goes up as the um, mm-hmm. as the market goes up. So, yeah, yeah, it's done well. They're, they're not alone. Uh, a lot of the uh, the REITs have been doing pretty well um, and trying to up that distribution. So, you know, SCP, um, you know, it was, it's up from two dollars fifty to three bucks in the last year. So it's one of these quiet, uh, quiet achievers. And uh, at the other end of the scale, we've got uh, BWP Trust. It's uh, having to dip into its reserves to pay the distribution while, while it redevelops some of the sites that Bunnings have vacated. Yeah, I guess uh, there's a double-edged sword here. And uh, as you say, they do they are having to dip into that uh, those, those earnings they've had over the years. Um, and these stores do need uh, revamping and, and things change in retail, as you know. So hasn't been quite the success story. You would think that Bunnings would be uh, doing pretty well in, uh, in this environment, and I suspect they are from, from the business point of view, but the actual rental point of view, I mean, they're up from $3.50 to, well, just over 4 bucks in a year. So they haven't done too bad, um, but they look as if they're going to sort of go nowhere to downwards for the time being, that's for sure. And um, Wally Parsons surprised everyone by replacing the CEO. Yeah, this was this was quite a, a, a big, sharp yep. uh, reaction on the back of uh, a new CEO. I have to say, um, it's um, I don't know if you're the if you're the CEO that's leaving or the CEO that's coming in. I'm, I'm not sure that you you really want to um, to have a, a big move. They've appointed uh, Chris a guy called Chris Ashton. Uh, to become CEO at the uh, at the end of February, um, and he's replacing um, Andrew Wood, who's retiring. He's been there for a long time, so I guess it's a change of the guard. The CEO changes always brings up some uh, risk element as uh, a new CEO comes in and wants to stamp their authority on the company or stamp their mark, and they've got different ideas, etc. So there's always a danger, but it did seem a little bit of an overreaction. It has bounced back. Um, quite well half, at least half of the fall um, but um, certainly that that is always the risk and of course some of these uh, engineering and mining contracting companies have been under some pressure recently Simic has had some uh, some big write downs in Dubai Down has had some issues um, Lend-Lease has had issues so it's not all uh, it's not all beer and skittles out there in, uh, in in this sort of land Wally of course also very much geared to the oil price as well mm-hmm. uh, which we've seen under pressure because they uh, do a lot of oil field contracting business so um, the oil coming off on the back of the coronavirus has not been helpful for them either mm. okay well i think we'll talk to you again next week henry and see, we will what's, indeed. see what's happened during the week then and henry jennings is senior market commentator at marcus today with our market update it is thursday finance speaking with richard murphy from the australia corporate bond company stephen pritchard Richard, um, so so the RBA left the uh, interest rates, uh, the cash rate alone. Um, what's the we, we we started talking about what's the futures market suggesting is going to happen? Yeah, it's, that's still suggesting that there will be a cut in in uh, twenty twenty. And as you were indicating, um, one of the major economists in the in the country uh, saying it could have been this month or maybe next month. That's in line with what the futures market is saying as well. That um, there there will be at least one cut, maybe two. And then later in the year, um, it, it may well start. It's flattening out at least, but then maybe maybe an increase into into next year. But you know, it changes all the time, and it could actually be it could actually stay you know this low. As I, I was listening to there was a bank governor 
last night talking about it, and he was saying, look, it's going to be low for uh, a long time, yes, is what he was suggesting when he was doing this briefing down in Canberra. Okay. And so then um, Australian households, um, money is still going into uh, term deposits at a great rate of knots by the looks of it? Yeah, look, there was a big jump. Um, in the January data, there was another $8 billion in one month. So it's now at $987 billion. So it's $13 billion short of the trillion dollars of household deposits. And, and of course, you and I have talked about this before, where um, it's odd that it's more and more money going into household deposits, because that includes term deposits. But given the cash rate is so low, term deposit yields are so low as well, and yet money is going in there because there's still the fear around off well, hang on, if, if there's been, you know, as I heard on TV the other night, there'd be something like 25 um, highest ever share markets in the U.S. in a row, um, just constant hitting new highs. Well, that's obviously caused by the very, very, very low interest rates all around the world, and or at least that's one a very, very major factor in it. And so people aren't just diving back into shares and, and other growth assets. They're putting the money back in the bank, even though they're not getting a great yield. Return so you know retirees must be really suffering, thinking, "What do I do? I'm getting you know one point something in my current deposit. Um, yeah. what, 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 if I go into equities, I might get in at an all-time high and be looking at you know a, a significant downturn. Significant so downturn if the market falls. Yeah. What surprises me about the uh, the deposit numbers was eight billion flowing in in um, in January. I would have thought that was more of a, a, a month where money would flow out after people have to pay for all their Christmas expenses. But uh, eight, yeah. eight billion is a lot of money, and and so it's one of the alternatives to uh, fixed deposits, of course, is the um, the uh, corporate bond market and um, and uh, exchange traded funds that invest in corporate bonds. So what's uh, what are the, what are some of the differences between the exchange traded funds? where you buy a uh, basically a portfolio of bonds, an easy thing, or go through and buy the bonds individually? What what are some of the differences that um, can affect yeah, your is, outcomes there? Yeah, there is a very critical distinction between buying, say, three or four bonds individually and buying um, you know, 30, 40, 50 bonds in an ETF. But one of the benefits of buying bonds in the first place, whether it's government bonds or corporate bonds, is the utter predictability you get. So if you take out the fact that the company or government might collapse, you say, right, I'm going to pick BHP and Telstra, and I don't think they're going to get into trouble, then the income you're going to get every six months is effectively guaranteed, or the company must pay it. Not actually guaranteed, but the company must pay it, and you will get the $100 back in maturity. And that gives you complete predictability to know, if I invest $20,000 now, I'm going to get a 2.5% yield, and that's better than my turn positive 1.5%, and therefore you, you invest in it. Once you invest in an ETF or managed fund, the vehicle you're investing in, the units in that trust, are perpetual, and so you lose that predictability because you never get the bonds maturing. They mature in the trust, um, but they're not maturing for you, and you're not getting $100 back. So you lose a bit the, the predictability to say, right, I need to get this sort of return, and I need my money back in four years' time, five years' time, six years' time, whatever the bond term is. Um, and so like current deposits, you can plan ahead with your income. You've got a certain amount of capital, and you can say, right, I can put it in the term deposit, and I know the bank will pay me back in one year or two years, whatever the term deposit is. And the same with the bonds. You can pick bonds according to their term, their their, their, their the amount of time you want to invest and whatever the yield is, and you know 
that's what you're going to get if you just hold this bond until maturity. Whereas ETFs manage funds, which are completely different vehicles, and this is not a bad thing about them. It's just a feature of the fact that they are they're all vehicles that continue forever. They're perpetual trusts, and therefore you lose the predictability. Yeah, I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses from from uh, from both sides, but but absolutely, one, you yeah, get diversification yeah. if you buy fifty mm. in an ETF. Yeah, and the ETF the ETF funds obviously um, quite often are changing the underlying bonds as well. Um, and, and just through maturity and, and, and then, of course, following on that, the income's not quite so predictable. You don't know what you're going to get um, from quarter to quarter or month to month, depending when they distribute it. Yes, so, yes. So why, the fund manager doesn't know. They don't know what's going to be in the index because they don't control that's the right. issuing bonds from time to time. That's right. And then, of course, one of the, one of the differences of bonds and um, the... the um, Term deposits, which most listeners are familiar with, is that, is that a bonds are slightly more risky than term deposits, but because it depends which company you uh, you, you buy as well, and and but there is there is some um, additional interest um, which goes towards compensating you for that additional risk. So, what type of margin are we getting on bonds above the um, term deposits at the moment? Yeah, no, that obviously depends on what um, mm-hmm. term deposit rate you're actually getting. But I've seen term deposits sort of you know. One point five percent, even yep. lower, even lower than that. Um, our, our longest, our highest yielding bond at the moment is two point five, two point six percent. So it, it's not, a, it's not a, a, an awful lot more. And the, the reason that is is because, well, it's not a great deal more risk. So it's you're you're investing in a an ASX one hundred company bond. And therefore, you know, if it was literally if it was Westpac, the difference of risk between a Westpac bond and a Westpac TD. Is not very high at all. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a Qantas bond is more risky than a Westpac term deposit, clearly. Um, but you will get paid that extra amount. So if you were getting 1.5% from a term deposit and you were able to get 2.5% for a bond, if you're thinking about if that's actually your income that you're living off, that's actually quite a big jump. Um, yeah, the one the one percent difference is, is doesn't you know it doesn't seem that much money, but if you look at your one point five to one to two point five, for example, your income's going to go up by sixty uh, percent more or less. Yep, so yeah. it's quite a big jump. But that was your complete income. If you had all your money in turn deposits earning one point five, then you're going to two point five. It's quite a large absolute jump in terms of the income. Absolutely. And we're speaking about bonds and the bond markets on Thursday Finance on Tour New RFM. Uh, Stephen Pritchard, we're talking with Richard Murphy. So the corporate bonds for uh, retail investors um, don't uh, haven't got a long history on the ASX. Um, it wasn't so long ago when there was only a handful. Um, so how many? Do you know how many approximately are listed there now, Richard? Um, they're 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 available in obviously XCB format. We talked about before where. Um, there's an exchange-traded bond security that we are the manager of, and so we now have um, 43 bonds to the ASX 100 available, and that number is going to grow in 2020 and beyond uh, because we're now able to do brand-new bonds. Um, ASIC has recently allowed us to cover brand-new bonds. We did a file over Qantas 1 in November. So um, if you, then there's probably another 5 to 10 bonds of much smaller companies that have listed bonds directly, but they're... They're definitely not investment grade, and a lot of them are a lot more risky than 
yes. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, so so what we think is about fifty or so, um, and they're they're all got different maturities, and there's fixed rate and floating rate. So there's 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 plenty of choices uh, out there now. Where we, you know you know maybe two years ago there might have been half a dozen. So we we we're, we're going to be having fifty by mid year. So um, there should be should be a bomb there for everyone. Yes, and the, the range will will continue to grow. Now, now that we're able to do this, all of the banks are looking at what we call primary XDBs as a, as a great opportunity for them to go to those big companies um, and say, "Look, Qantas, uh, do you want to raise another fifty million dollars from the market? You can now um, involve retail investors. They can now buy the XTB on the ASX. They're now part of the whole capital raising, and that's that's good for the country because then." Um, all investors in self-managed super funds can start contributing to you know, the yeah, capital so, growth of companies. Yeah, so the listed debt market or the listed interest rate market, whatever it's called, um, is increasing and, and it's providing more choice for investors. I mean, That's right. Yeah, you get too much choice sometimes. Uh, but anyhow, um, we'll talk to you in a six or eight weeks or so again, Richard. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks for joining us today. That's Richard Murphy, who's CEO of the Australia Corporate Bond Company on Thursday Finance on 2NURFM, where we're getting close to the end of the program, um, Stephen Pritchard. But um, with, our bond, with our share market going up and up and up, uh, as it seems to be still, and uh, it's going to get closer to its record again very soon, is now a good time to be looking at buying some shares for your portfolio. Oh, oh. You, you. <laughs> it's always. I mean, this is a great. Um, this is a great thing about retail investors. They'll never buy things when they're cheap. They always want to pay full price or when they're expensive. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's still some things around that you could buy, but but I'd be more cautious now than I was a year ago. Uh, and, and once again, retail investors need to think about. Um, you know, having a bit of a spread of the different asset allocations as we spoke about. And and there's lots of stocks there that, you know, are very highly priced. I mean, CSL's $310, or something. So so you're paying $312 for one share. Yeah, 12 yes. months ago it was probably 250 Ah, yeah, well, so that seems a lot too, so but yes, lot, so but, there's but, been yeah, a big increase So there. there's lots of things that have had big increases. And unfortunately it's the way of the world that um, people tend to want to buy things when they're when they're up because they've got value. And they, and they think they're safer, but, but really yes. they're safer when they're lower price. So, yeah, be careful. Be careful. And, and if you're thinking about it, I'd probably wait till the half-year results are all starting to roll in now. Just have a look at those as well. Sounds okay. good. Talk okay. Talk to you next week, Jane. So that is Thursday Finance for today on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.